What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Builders Project Podcast, episode eight, where we talk today about foundations in marriage. Welcome to the Builders Project Podcast, where we believe every person is a project that God is building. I'm your host, David Narvaez, and I am here to help you build your life on Jesus and follow his word, his will, and his way. What's up, everybody? My name's David Narvaez. I'm the host here of the Builders Project podcast, but it's not about David. It's all about Jesus, and it's all about my wife. This is my wife to my left, Haley. Say hi. Hello. Um, And yeah, so we are uh, talking about how do we build our lives on Jesus, and what that means is it it just does not mean in church. It also means in finances and health and wellness and uh, businesses and ministry and in relationships. And if you live in this world long enough, you're going to either be in a relationship, wish you were in a relationship, get married to somebody you're in a relationship with, possibly experience divorce, or uh, yeah, everything in between. So relationships are a big part of our life. And that really even goes back to a creation. But uh, before we go to that, I think it's important for the listeners and those who are watching on YouTube to really get an idea as to what our background was. So, Haley, before you and I met and started dating, in a couple minutes, what was your, I guess, what was your background? What was, your, what was life like growing up? Well... I will say I grew up in one of the most fun times to grow up in, the Y2K era. <laughs> is that the most fun time? Is that a thing? <laughs> I don't know. I'm I'm a little biased. Um, I kind of grew up in and out of the church. Um, I didn't go so much when I was younger. Um, I started going a little bit more with my parents, kind of against my will, uh, <laughs> right around like my teenage years. Um, my parents were, I, I come from a broken household from gosh i mean like generate like generations on my mom's side uh on my dad's side my grandparents are still together though um so my parents were never married so there were a few years in my life where i didn't really have a father figure but i was so young that it kind of, i don't i don't know you think i don't know if it mattered it probably did um I, my mom got remarried eventually. And so, um, I started my, well, my stepdad started living with us. Um, they had a couple kids and I'll say, um, my stepdad grew up in a very, um, abusive home, I will say. Um, so, you know, when you're trying to navigate how to raise a child, like, no experience whatsoever you're just all of a sudden taking care of a seven-year-old child you know can get a little confusing so I show him grace on that um but he was just parenting me the way he knew um and I feel like a lot of times when it comes to parenting you're just trying to like you're trying to give your kids a less worse version a less terrible version of what you went through which isn't exactly the best way to parent but that's what we do and we I feel like we rationalize that because well it's not as bad as i had it oh gosh yeah i heard that heard that one a lot yeah the amount of times man if back in you know back in my day if you were there we went through x y and z and all of those things you're like well that doesn't mean it's right 
We hiked 100 miles to school in the snow every single day. There you go. <laughs> so based off that background coming from a broken household, what was, and then you even mentioned the fact of generational divorce of splits and marriages, which is devastating. What was your, what was even your view in or view on relationships when you were younger? That's a good question. Um, that's a tough one. I didn't really start caring about relationships until I guess I was in middle school. Um, is that what you mean? Like, yeah, well, no, once, no, like, so once you started in the dating scene, right? Because, you know, once you start getting so cool and older and whatever, you're like, okay, I kind of like people now. I was definitely not cool. Okay, well, we think we're cool, uh, even as we're Naruto running down the streets. Um, what, how did you view relationships? Like, going into, I guess, high school, right? And going into your earlier, you know, earlier years, in you know your teenage uh teenage years late teenage what how did you view relationships um i thought that it was normal for relationships to be toxic i i thought it was normal to i guess like you know break up get back together break up you know the whole the whole cycle um i thought that was kind of normal um considering i didn't really have too much of a christian background so i didn't really know i guess what a relationship was supposed to look like because even with my mom's um my mom's marriage um they weren't exactly like i guess too kind to each other sometimes they um they were like affectionate around us so it wasn't like you know they i didn't see like some bits of like what a marriage is I guess um so I didn't yeah I didn't have too much of a understanding I guess of relationships and that's continued to follow me um even with like friendships and sometimes that you know that can get in the way of our marriage sometimes too yeah I think that's what's so tough is you know when besides the dreaded birds and the bees talk that parents may or may not give their kids they don't really give them relationship advice. I feel like most of the time when it comes to that advice, it's genuinely don't get pregnant, don't ruin your life. Of, that was one of my rules. Yeah, don't get pregnant, don't ruin your life, don't it's a lot of don'ts and not a lot of do's. Mm-hmm. And so we're all we're trying to do is not do the wrong thing, but on the flip side, we don't really know what the right thing is to do. Yeah, cuz if you keep telling people don't do something, they're going to they're gonna do it. Yeah, that's like especially when you're a teenager. Yeah, the the good old faithful. One of my favorite. Okay, I don't watch this TV show, so please forgive me. But Family Guy, terrible show. Literally, used to watch it back in the day, the early episodes when it was actually a funny show. But there's one, there's one dumb episode where Peter Griffin is going to the door, and there's a big red button that just says "Don't push me," and so Peter is literally sitting outside the door, and he's like. I got to do it. He pushes the button. Nothing happens. And then like three, six, thir- um, three seconds later, this black belt uh, guy walks out, you know, claps his hands together, gives him the good old bow and just like roundhouse kicks him to the <laughs> to the ground. And I, I literally like that is how I imagine when it comes to the don'ts in relationships. It's like, OK, don't do it. And then you're like, but why not, though? We should find the clip and 
put it in. Yeah, I should. Maybe. I should find, that. We should find the clip. Yeah, I'll find that clip because it's it's <laughs> hilarious. Um. So yeah. Um. So my you know my background wasn't any better. My parents split when I was about five years old. My mom uh, took me. My dad stayed in California. And about a few months later, I moved in. Uh, uh, we moved in New York, and then a few months, or about maybe a year after that, my mom met my stepdad, and then we ended up moving into his house. So, divorce household, also a lineage of divorce. And my stepfather, he was a retired drill instructor. I don't want to go into my whole story here, but let's just say he treated the household like we were in basic training or boot camp. Uh, everything from getting the water turned off on us to electricity cut off to the screaming and the yelling and the cursing. Um, and, and mind you where I'm at now, you know, thank God he's healed that relationship. But in my early years, it was very toxic. And so I didn't really get to see what a healthy marriage was. Um, if there was any health in the marriage previously before divorce and then going further, my only experience was basically the interactions between my stepdad and my mom. And so you had, you know, both of these very strong personalities that didn't communicate properly that, uh, you know, like, like any household, right? We don't really know. So we're just kind of, sometimes it becomes a screaming fest, a yelling. Uh, and so there was a lot of back and forths. Um, and so that's kind of what I took as well. I did not grow up in a Christian household. I did not have any biblical foundations. Um, and so when, so long story short, uh, here we are now, um, you know, I'll let you describe how, uh, without going into too many details, how we, I guess, met in your perspective on everything. Mm. Why is that so controversial? I don't know. This is going to be a very authentic an honest podcast. We're not going to pretend to be something that we're not. Um, well, I mean, we used to work together. Uh, we started working together back in, I don't even know what year. Um, we worked at Outback. Mm. Good old steaks. Mm. Yeah. When the steaks were good back, back in the day before COVID. Um, anyways. Yeah. So we, we worked together. Um, I guess, I was just like mining. I, I guess I was mining my own business for like the first few weeks, just trying to get the job down. Um, I was a hostess um, and we, yeah, I was like mining my own business. And then all of a sudden, like there's these, there's these two guys that are just like always laughing and making jokes with each other. And I'm like, what's this about? And, um, yeah, that was you and your your good friend. That's how pretty much like you guys, like you were caught in my attention, I guess, mm. because you guys would, were just like always laughing, always so, doing something dumb. So here's a tip to the guys out there. Just be obnoxious and annoying. And somebody will notice someone you eventually. Someone will notice at some point in time. Yeah. And um, it's actually really funny. Well, it wasn't at the time. I was like completely devastated. Um, our first interaction, actually, I was in the back, uh, rolling some silverware so I could go home and you you remember this story? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I was just, I was just sobbing. Like I was like having a mental breakdown in the silverware rolling section in the back of the kitchen and you and your friend, uh, when like came around and then 
you guys were both like, what's wrong with you? Oh, no, it wasn't. It wasn't me. It was actually. So we were chatting and then both of us looked over and he kind of went the other way. And I was like, I feel like I'm supposed to say something. Uh, this is back in my non Jesus follower days. But even then, I wanted to be a support. Um, for so somebody you didn't even know. For someone I didn't even know. I didn't even, yeah. So anyways, I went over there and I just kind of like listened. She was talking about how she had broken up with one of her exes. No, 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 no. Oh, okay. I was crying about how my ex-boyfriend ghosted me. Oh, yeah, I was, yeah, yeah. I was, I just broke up with my boyfriend. <laughs> yeah, kind of, kind of like that. Kind of like that. A little more dramatic, though. Yeah, so I was really, I, in, I was really in the field. We kind of just talk, and I just, you know, trying to console her, but it's obviously weird because I'm at work and I don't really know who this person is. <laughs> um, but yeah, that that was really how we started off—not our relationship, but I, we just got to know each other. And then about five months later, uh, Can I told him how I got your phone number. Sure. So he never actually gave me his phone number. I was just like, I was like really weird. And I was like, man, I want this guy's phone number, but I'm not about to ask for it because I know he won't give it to me. So I go on our online scheduling and um, all the employees phone numbers were on there. And I just was just scrolling and I uh, found his phone number and then I texted him uh, dog gifts. Ne he never responded. I say Jif, but yeah, we it's can get that's another yeah. Stephanie Jif. Um, yeah, that's uh, and I was like, what, what, what weirdo is sending me this message? <laughs> and then like I didn't respond, and then she sent me another one like a month and a half later. And, and then three months, and yeah, and then like three months later, he asked me to hang out. Finally, yeah, finally after that, it took a little bit of time there, but now that's that's how we started. Um, so. Uh, yeah, we started dating, and mind you, at this time, uh, she is not a believer, and, um, I like to share this sentence, but, uh, I feel like you should share, share this sentence of how you viewed Christians. Um, so actually, even, well, before that, actually, um, uh, I apparently gave my life to Christ at seven years old. Um, I found that out, like, if few years ago my mom told me that um and it was genuine because like what seven-year-old is like you know really giving their truly giving their lives to christ anyways and so i was uh i hung out with like the really rough like rough kids and, and stuff um and so back to your question how would i describe christians um i thought they were stupid <laughs> And yeah, that was, that was like one of the big words that I, I used. I was like, man, these guys are so stupid. Like your little sky daddy God isn't real. And so I ran with that. And then actually before like me and uh, David even met, I was like, I'm, I would never date a Christian. Mm. <laughs> I, I like to, I would call myself a hardcore atheist back then. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, so this is one of those examples where I believe God has a personality and he is funny uh, because you ended up marrying somebody who is a pastor. <laughs> so <laughs> joke's on you. <laughs> God knew it from the beginning. Um, so yeah, that was uh, her experience, how she viewed Christianity and you know how she, how she defined herself. Um, and so the time that she met me, 
I had gone through a six-year, um, I call this a trial period of sin, uh, where I had, um, so I moved out of that household when I was about 15, 16 years old, and then I moved to uh, Florida where my dad was staying. I started getting back into the church, and then I just really reconnected with my faith. Um, I had given my life to Christ at 10, but I had went back to that living situation, and it was frustrating trying to reconcile my new faith with my current situation at home. And so there's a lot of anger built up uh, towards God. So I started getting some healing from that, got baptized at 18. I knew God was calling me into the ministry. I knew he wanted me to become a pastor, but I I ran. And so I ended up moving from uh, Jacksonville, Florida at the time to uh, Gainesville, and then a year later to San Diego, California with my uh, sister and my stepbrother. And uh, that was the, the beginning of me serving myself, doing my own thing. And so six years later, uh, I'm about 24 years old, getting to the end of that. And um, I finally surrendered my life to Jesus. And so, um, the, you know, let's just be honest and transparent, right? So we're talking about the foundation of a strong Christian marriage, right? And I believe that any strong Christian marriage, of course, with Christ being the foundation, that includes having biblical principles. And when we look at Scripture, when it talks about sexual immorality, the clear definition of it is anything outside of anything, any sexual activity outside of marriage between a man and a woman. That's what the definition of it. So whatever falls out behind those or beyond those barriers, you're walking in sin. And so when her and I started dating, I wasn't, I had not truly surrendered and repented of my sin and started following Jesus. So when we started our, our relationship, as almost all relationships, culture teaches us that, well, we need to, well, how do they put it? You, um, you need to test drive the car before you buy it. Yeah, that is like the worst advice you could possibly give. That is such a, it is a part of a relationship, but it's not the foundation of a relationship. And unfortunately, too many people go into relationships thinking, well, if, if, if we can figure this out, well, then all of a sudden we can, you know, we know we're going to be compatible. And it's like when you get into marriage, it's one of the last things Seriously, one of the last things that each of y'all is worried about. Well, maybe more for men, but I promise you this. It, even if you're having sex as a man in marriage and everything else is falling apart, you're not going to feel like you're winning in life. You're going to feel like you're still losing. Um, and so, we, yeah, we didn't. We, we jumped head first into getting to know each other. And then literally within a few dates in, we were having premarital sex, a.k.a. sin. The second date. Might have been the second date. Um. <laughs> And so that is the that was the foundation of our relationships and and I, I feel like through the dating process there because that was implemented early into their relationship not only did we not have the holy spirit guiding us there because he wasn't a part of it but also I feel like it covered up a lot of the real issues that were going on the issues with the trauma that we were dealing with from a kid the issues with us communicating with each other it basically covered up and masked over the issues that we had. And then over time, as we started building our relationship, um, you realize sex isn't the only thing that's there. Um, 
and it just creates a rocky foundation. Um, so, you know, what, what's your opinion on that about, you know, even speaking to young, you know, people out there that are in relationships and maybe want to fall into that sin? What's your, I mean, what's your even early advice for them from your personal experience? Um, I mean, it's really, I, I think it's really important to, um, and I can say this while not being a hypocrite because like I went through it and I, um, understand now. And so, um, I, I think it's really important for, um, us as women to not be like, like to save ourselves, I, I guess, um, as you could say. And because whenever you, whenever you get married, like that, like the night of your marriage, it's supposed to be like, you know, you're coming together as one, but if you've already been coming together as one, then it's just, it's just another night. Yeah. Um, uh, my, uh, the worship pastor at my church always says this one thing. He said one of the, the worst things for me was the only thing I could give to my wife on my wedding day was a ring. That's all That's all you really have because you, you didn't um, – and not just that, but it's – you're defiling a thing that's supposed to be beautiful, right? God gifted us sex. God gifted us this part of relationships, and when we go outside that context – we're putting unnecessary stress. I actually remembered this. I was reading a Cosmopolitan magazine. I don't know why I was. Why was I reading a Cosmopolitan magazine? That's a real question. Maybe I was at the dentist's office. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, that's a great question. I just remember um, it might have been actually a YouTube video, but they did a study and they found, and you can look this up. They found out that those who waited the longest in a relationship to have sex actually had better and longer lasting relationships. That makes sense. I've noticed a lot too um, with my generation because technically we are on the cusp of two generations. So I'm technically Gen Z and I'll say a lot of the people now, even, even millennials, um, hookup culture is starting to become like such a huge thing. Um, like people are and like I've I've seen studies on it too where people or women are not having kids like they're waiting longer and um, they're you know when they go on dating apps and stuff they're just um, there to talk and you know hook up pretty much and so I think that's become like very um, even more normalized. I guess. Why do you think that is, honestly? Like, why do you think there's that such strong desire to, and I get it, right? It's the enticement of sin. We're trying to self-seek. But why do you think it's becoming even a culture in our today's society? I mean, if I could be honest, I I think personally that it's becoming an issue because... I think people are trying to stray away from the Christian values that um, like our country was kind of kind of raised on. Um, I think a lot a lot of people are like wanting to rebel against that. Yeah, it's actually funny. I was doing a a sermon study this week and in first John chapter three, it talks about lawlessness. Right. You practice lawlessness. And really what um, John, the Apostle John, who wrote that epistle is saying is 
a practice of lawlessness is an active rebellion to the rules and ways of God. And it's not just something that you do. It's an attitude that you have, that anybody that would have any type of rules or regulations. And here's the thing. It starts with our parents, right? Hey, don't do this, right? And then we want to push the button and get roundhouse kicked in the face. <laughs> That's basically what happens. But yeah, it's, it's that attitude of my parents did this. Um, I want to, you know, I want to be as opposite of they were. Um, they might have served this God. Look what happened with them. Because let's be honest, okay? Um, the older generation, and this can be said about almost every single generation, has done a terrible job, majority-wise, majority of teaching their kids not just biblical principles but the why behind it right if you tell somebody hey you should save yourself for marriage but you're not explaining the why behind it then it's hard for somebody to be able to grasp and take that into their heart or you're just simply saying oh that's a sin you'll go to hell for that which is a very unhealthy view of God because First John 4.18 says there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. So a perfect love in Christ has to do with the fear of hell. Now that comes through the assurance of our salvation through walking out his commandments. So I'm not saying that, but if someone's view of God is, you know, I'm only going to, you know, if I don't follow this, I'm going to go to hell, then their view is going to be distorted. I've heard people say, oh, it's just a rule book. Like, that's what Christianity is. It's just a bunch of rules. Yeah, and, and that's the reason why I love quoting John 14, 15. It's a small verse, and I, I, I promise you it'll edify you if you memorize it. But it's just Jesus saying, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And the foundation of that is love for Jesus. It's not, I'm going to follow this rule set in order to, and then, you know, I'll grow my relationship with God because I'm, it's like, no, love for Jesus produces obedience to his law. It's no different than in a relationship, right? Let's talk biblical here, that love for each other is going to produce a level of obedience and submission and love and sacrifice. We're not going to go out clubbing. Why? Because I love my wife. I don't want to do anything that would dishonor her. And in the same way, it's the view of sin. It's just like when David sinned in Psalm 51, he writes about how I sinned against God. First, I sinned against God and God alone. Now, obviously, he sinned against others, but it's first to the person that he loved the most, which was his heavenly father. And the same thing is, you know, w with each other. So jumping into the next thing. So we started, we're, we're dating, right? We didn't honor God in our relationship. We had premarital sex, walking in sexual immorality. And of course, you know, we want to have the blessings of God without following the laws of God. Isn't that always fun? And then we blame God when things don't go our way. That's typically what we do. Like, why God? Why is my life terrible? Well, you didn't follow. <laughs> One of my favorite things to say is, uh, oh, how does it go? You know, everything in life happens for a reason. I love that statement because it's true. And most of the time, the reason is because we act dumb, okay? Everything happens for a reason, yes. And God works all things to good according to his purpose, yes. But many times the reason that we fall into these pits, we fall into these dark places, is because we're not following the commandments of God. We're not walking, abiding in Christ and walking in him. So, 
Anyway, so we, we're on our relationship here, and then towards the end of that year, I want to say this is the end of 2019, yep, the end of 2019, probably around a November-ish time frame, that is when God uh, showed me, which I've talked about in a previous episode, a, a my perspective of life, uh, or his perspective of my life about how I have been on this cycle of following Jesus, loving him. You know, he would he would do great things in my life. Um, he would bring me peace and happiness and joy and purpose and mission. And then I would start following my own self, my own sins, my own desires. I'd start ruining my life. And then I would re- eventually repent because my life was ruined. And it was this ongoing cycle. And so this was towards the end of that cycle. She met me in the beginning time frame when I was on the, the bottom end of following my own sinful ways and, and in the process of doing damage to my life. And that's when I surrendered. And I said, I, I gave my will. I, I say my, the two best decisions of my life were fully was fully surrendering my heart in salvation and fully surrendering my heart in obedience. And yes, uh, I, I do believe God was continually working on my heart when I got saved at 10. But there's a difference between, I would say, giving your heart to Christ and trying to follow him versus a full surrender, which is saying, not my will, but thy will be done. And so actually, I want to kind of want to hear your perspective. What was that like for you on the other side? I guess, seeing me walk through that early process of surrender. I'm thinking. It's okay. <laughs> that was so long ago. I know. Like four, four years ago? Yeah. Wow. Um, I mean, I don't think during that time, like we were, we were going to church, um, but I wasn't like fully, I I was kind of going because like you wanted to start going. And so I wasn't fully like Christian, I guess I, I hadn't like surrendered, um, like, or, uh, what's it called? Not surrendering. Like walked in obedience, like surrendered your will. Yeah, like I had, I wasn't saved. I guess I'll say that. Yeah. Um. So I was kind of like, all right. Well, I'll just let him do his thing. You know, um, let him figure uh figure that out. Um. Well, I was supportive, uh, during that time, but I wasn't fully like I didn't fully understand. I guess so. I was just kind of like letting you do your own thing. Yeah. So. But then, okay, so so we started getting serious in our relationship. This is towards the end of that year. And then that's when something crazy happens, which is uh, I hadn't spoken to my mom or my stepdad. I had spoken to my mom about three times in 10 years. Hadn't spoken to my te- stepdad a single time. And so there was a lot of anger from that, uh, from that childhood experience that I went through. And that's when my mom had called and she had explained about my stepfather going through, um, he was on blood thinners, had a bunch of heart issues going on. Was that at the end of the year or was that that in January? That was towards the end, early January. Yeah, I would say it was right after New Year's. Um, And so she was just explaining how he was falling all the time and, you know, basically at risk of death. If you're on blood thinners, if you fall and you cut yourself and no one's there to help you, you can literally die. It was a terrible experience um, for my mom because she was struggling with time off. And so I just remember um, God telling me to go home. Um, And so 
I had in about a month and a half, I don't want to go to the whole story, but I sold everything, moved out there. And that was in the midst of COVID. Literally, I moved about 10 March 1st, March 1st. Yeah, I moved exactly Sunday, exactly two weeks. You remember? I remember it was a Sunday because I went to church that morning. Oh, you did? Yeah. Yeah. That was a was that a tough, tough experience there? I think that was like the first time I I, I just want to say I think that was the first performance of the blessing. Mm. So that's why I I love that song so much because one it's a great song and two it just like brings me that this is like off topic but it just brings me back. Yeah, well, look at those days. Yeah. Um. So because COVID was happening, we were able to get round trip flight tickets for about. Sometimes it was 28. I mean, so she was flying in once every three weeks. Um, And through that process, you know, that time apart really grew our love for each other. I was a firm believer that if God wanted us to stay married, he would sustain us through that process. And if God didn't want us to stay married, because at that point, I'm fully surrendered. I'm like, Lord, I love this girl, but if she's not the one for me, then through this process, I know that something is going to happen where we're going to end up splitting up. And it would have been easy, too, because you would have just ghosted me and, like, stayed in New York. Yeah, because I didn't have any reason to come back uh, to North Carolina. I had sold everything. I was living out of my backpack and suitcase. So I had no reason to go back. And sure enough, over that time frame, God really started growing our relationship. Um, And through that process, I remember we would stay up at night. And I think this is really the, the, the start of us really following Jesus um, and building our marriage on Christ was, I don't know if you remember this, but we would stay up and do Bible studies together. I remember we got through the entire book of Matthew. We, and we got like halfway through Mark and then we just kind of, we kind of stopped. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was towards the end. Um, but that was over a six month time frame. We would just stay up at night. We would, we would just read a chapter of scripture together and then we'd have a conversation about it. And, would you say that's when your you started, I guess, sparking an interest towards Jesus and the things of Jesus? Yeah. Um, I think, too, even, like, before you left, I was, like, um, I was, like, starting to understand everything a little bit. Um, and so that's when I started, like, like looking more into, I guess, um, a relationship with God. Yeah, I'll say this. The one thing I absolutely loved about Haley was, and this is a a word for people out there that are listening that might be thinking about Christianity, thinking about Jesus, maybe even new in your faith, is she never stopped asking questions. I think when we get to a place when we stop asking questions, we get complacent. I love debating. Yes. You, you specifically. Yes. And it was, here was so cool is she was challenging me on my faith and I had to I had to step up and say, hey, I might not like when you don't know the answer to something, it's so frustrating, especially when trying to help somebody and give somebody honest answers. And through the process of Haley asking me all of these questions, I continually felt challenged to get into the word more, study my Bible more, grow in faith more. Um, And that in turn helped her in the process. And so, yeah, asking those asking questions, if you're in a church or in a community that does not like you asking questions, you're in the wrong place. And here's a real quick. I want to say this. That doesn't mean be disrespectful about it. Well, why isn't Jesus? 
Okay, I'm not saying that. But my point is, if you're genuinely seeking, asking questions is the great is a great place to start. I think I still ask you questions. Yeah, I think I knows. asked you like a question like Sunday. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. yeah, I don't think. But that's that's good. when we stop asking questions, we get complacent. Um. So anyways, so we started, you know, that's when we started really building our life on Jesus. We had, um, and actually I want to tell this story because I think it's important for those. First of all, let me say this. If you have, if you are dating somebody and it's not too late to repent, it's not too late to surrender your relationship to Jesus. We had, we hadn't been following God and we made the decision to if there's any time that we're going to surrender this to God, it's going to be now. And so over the course of like the the next five months, um, we did not have any sexual contact with each other. We would just meet up. And then roughly, I want to say a month or two before, I believe before we got married, uh, we had, we had, we were getting well, engaged. I was like, well, well, some of the times I was visiting you, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, wait, what do you mean? Like when I like when I would uh come to New York yeah. and like visit you, we were like, you know. Oh, okay. See my my, my memory is my memory is We stop we did stop for um a little bit because we were like, Man, this this sucks. We can't be doing this. Um, yeah. It's wrong. And then we'd be good for like a few weeks, maybe a month or two. And then we'd be like, oopsies. <laughs> yeah. And it was honestly like a toxic cycle. Uh, I'll say this. If you are having sex before marriage um, and you don't feel bad, bad about it, you don't have the Holy Spirit. Okay. Let me just be frank and honest. If the Holy, if if you feel okay with having sex before marriage, the Holy Spirit does not dwell in you because that is that is a sin that God abhors. He hates that. He hates because we are destroying his intended his intended purpose for marriage. And so my first point is, it's never too late to repent. Um, there was genuine repentance after each time. Um, but I think the worst was we had gone the longest period of time, and this is what I was trying to share. And it was about a month before we met up one last time, and we completely dropped the ball. Um, and I remember uh, a month later, we ended up getting, you know, we got married. We got married in Key West. It was actually awesome in the midst of COVID. Cool story. We'll talk about it another time. It's actually really funny, I'll say, because um, one of the reasons like we got married before like i I think it's kind of ironic like we were having sex before marriage but then like we wanted to get married because it wasn't christian to live with each other like as boyfriend and girlfriend i think i thought that was kind of ironic yeah it's like a level of hypocrisy yeah and so i forgot what i was gonna say but yeah yeah um that is true. We we knew we wanted to move in together to move to Tampa um, or move wherever, just move in together. It ended up being Tampa, Florida. But yeah, I mean, we, we were saying one thing and then on the other end, we were doing the, the other thing. And, you know, I, I remember when we got married, um, the, the moment was not as special as it should have been. And that was probably one of the hardest things for me to be able to grasp was especially that last time. When we had gone the longest time, we were staying abstinent, and we dropped the ball about a month before, and then when we actually got married, 
Um, that night wasn't as special as God had intended. Um, I don't know what your feelings were, you know, were about that. No, I, I completely agree. Um, I actually saw on a YouTube video somewhere. Um, it was like, I don't remember whose sermon it was, but they said, and you can give your opinion on this too. Someone said, um, what they say? They said, um, Jesus doesn't want your celibacy. He wants your surrender. Mm. Um, and well, obviously this was like way after we were married. Um, but I think that is really good advice when it comes to like, you know, re- repenting, like just because it happened, you know, doesn't mean you're screwed. Like it doesn't mean like you can't still save, like if you're in a relationship, you still can't, like you can't save yourself still. It, it, does that kind of make sense? But my, yeah, I, I agree with you though. Um, And we've had a lot of conversations about this and true repentance because um, I would just be thinking about it. And like after we got married and it would like totally devastate me um, because we had been doing so good. And, um, you know, our wedding night like wasn't as special as it could have been. I mean, it was still a really good it was still a really good wedding and reception and everything. Um, But that night of us just together, it like wasn't as special, I guess. Yeah. But on the flip side, during our honeymoon, we could, you know, do whatever we wanted. Yeah. Yeah. On the, on the flip side, it was like, okay, now that we're finally married, we don't have um, to feel bad. <laughs> we, you know, not just feel bad, but the Holy spirit isn't like smacking your heart around. Like, cause you know, you know, you're finally not walking, you know, you're not in sin. And I would say this, if if you had walked through that process and you've gotten married before and you have never repented to God for your lack of celibacy, your lack of surrender in that area, I encourage you to do so. Um, I am a firm believer that whatever we are willing to surrender to God, the Holy Spirit is willing to work in. And if we're not willing to surrender it, then the Holy Spirit isn't going to work. We're basically quenching the Spirit of God to work on our lives and, and work in that area of our life. Yes, the Holy Spirit can work in our areas of sexual attractiveness to each other. That's a part of relationship. Um, and so that's where we're at. We're at a place where we recognized that this was not this was not good um and i know we weren't really planning on and i wasn't planning on having a conversation about sex you know but the truth is when it comes to you know life before marriage it's a huge part especially in the culture that we live in mm-hmm. um so we ended up getting married and uh we moved to tampa florida together that was a um, interesting experience. I remember moving to the second floor of the apartment. In before inflation. Before inflation. Before inflation. Oh, before inflation got crazy. Oh, you mean like apartment costs? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In Tampa. Now well, you, you can't even get a studio or a 1-1 one, one for less than like, like 1500 dollars. Yeah. It's honestly ridiculous, but at least it's not like New York. Yeah, we got ours for like eight. $800. And now two years later, it's now $1,500 a month for the same raggedy apartment, uh, which is ridiculous. Um, but yeah, so we, we got married, we jumped, you know, and now we are, we're by ourselves. Nobody else is here in Tampa with us. Our family is in New York and North Carolina. We're trying to figure these things out. And so we did, a, we've done so many things wrong. Um, 
I'll let me put it in this perspective. I, I've said this before, uh, not on the podcast, but just in general, that I feel like that first year of marriage, we got divorced like twelve times. Literally. Yeah. I mean, we we had you had two people that were previously not following Jesus, had all of this baggage and trauma they had not worked through, was covered up by the facts they the, by the fact that they had premarital sex. Now they jump into the marriage and all of these things unravel because now sex isn't an obstacle anymore. It's no longer the thing that can cover up, you know, it's not covering up a multitude of other sins um, because it's no longer the major sin. And so now you're having to address all of these other issues that were going. Going on. So, from your perspective, um, Haley, what was, I guess, some of those early things that we really struggled with? Um, I think, honestly, probably just communication and just being kind to each other. Like, we weren't, I don't think we were uh, too kind, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're going to go into another podcast episode about communication. So I don't want to go into a whole bit about this. Um, let me go and le- read this. Uh, so this is a we're talking about the foundation of Christian marriage. And so, you know, in First Corinthians 311, the Apostle Paul said there is no other foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So in other words, Jesus Christ is the only foundation that we have in our lives. Now, how does that apply to marriage? I want to read this passage, this verse off here in Ephesians chapter 5, uh, verse 21. And it says, Instructions for husbands and wives to submit to one another and love each other as Christ loved the church. So for us, our instruction, right, is to submit to one another and love each other as Christ loved the church. Now, in the biblical um, in, in biblical marriage, Colossians 3, 18 and 19, command wives to submit their husbands and husbands to love their wives. And so there's this idea of love, sacrificial love of the husband to the wife in submission from the wife to the husband. And I know we hear these words, submission, and we start freaking out, especially in, in modern day culture, but it's actually a a beautiful word because let me say this. Everybody in life is submitted to something, right? Um, if you are in, if you work at a job, you're submitted to your boss. You're supposed to, unless you're be disobedient, you get fired. Um, if you are a, fo- everybody is submitted. If you're a follower of Jesus, you know why? Because you're submitted to Christ. Um, and that's the idea is we're supposed to love husbands are supposed to love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And then wives are supposed to submit yourselves to your husbands in love. So when you really in our marriage, right, not coming from biblical backgrounds, a biblical marriage, that whole idea was both of the ideas was foreign to us, right? We, this is not, remember, we didn't. We heard about what we weren't supposed to do, but we didn't really hear about what we were supposed to do. This is the were, what we are supposed to do. How was that for you managing, I guess, your past identity, learning what it means to follow Jesus? Because you haven't truly given your heart yet. Um, and then this whole idea of submission. Um, I think that's like one of the things I struggled with the most was um, the submission part. Like, because um, I was, you know, I was raised in a society where it was um very pro-feminism and so i was you know i was always so obsessed with like um being the breadwinner of you know our our family and um not like 
wanting to submit, I guess. Um, and I know like we really struggled with that during our even, I guess like even dating, but mostly like in our marriage. Um, and so I had this idea that like, oh, I can't, um, let him, um, you know, be above me. I was like, for some reason I was so obsessed with that idea. Um, what do you think the root of that was? Um, probably pride and just like I said, being raised in that society, because um, that's really all I knew. Was that kind of unhealthy, toxic, you know, I don't want to use like buzzwords, right, like feminist or whatever, but that really, that idea that, you know, in all things, at all times, no matter what, we have to be equal or obviously even usurp. Yeah, and I, you know, I knew because we had been over this, especially like in our premarital counseling that we are like man and woman are supposed to be complementary to each other um that doesn't necessarily mean like we're the exact same like we're equal like we're equal in a sense like in the eyes of god like we in um, value yeah we're equal in value but like we have completely different roles and um and different wirings yeah and i think that we can sometimes like you know, share those roles, like in, like you can still have a healthy, uh, Christian biblical marriage and the wife make more money, you know, like that's not the issue, but I think it was like, I wanted the control and I wanted to do everything and, or like, I wanted to be, you know, a strong independent woman while being married. I wanted that until you told me, okay, well, why don't you take care of the bills then? Then I, I quickly, I was like, yeah, I think I'm okay. (laughs) I'll, I'll, you know, do anything but deal with the finances. Yeah. And, and I was, that caused a lot of problems in our relationship because, um, whenever I want to pause for a second, what does that say? 52. No, no, no. Stop. What is that? That read on the bottom. The maximum recording time for segments is 60 minutes. Oh, okay. All right. Um, what were we just talking about? Um, the roles of man and woman. And oh, yeah. And I didn't want to do that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that was the thing that was difficult early in our relationship is I feel like, I always felt like everything was a competition, right? It, and for me, I was, you know, I had no problem. You know, the one thing that I, I did respect about my stepfather was he always took care of the house. He always took care of responsibilities, put air in my mom's tires. He was a sacri- he, he was a servant. He served. Um, he loved my mom. Um, he served her. He took care of things. So for me, that was something I did learn. That was an extreme positive. But when we started dating, I started feeling like everything in life was a competition, whether it be, you know, I, we saw, oh my gosh, the toxic mentality of, you know, tick for tech, the whole idea of, well, if I do this, you have to do this. And all of a sudden, well, you know, how many times have you washed the dishes this week? And how many times have you washed the dishes? How many times, you know, did you pay rent? Or how many times did you sweep or clean up? Our biggest one was the laundry. Yes. I, st- I still do all the laundry. She still does the laundry. I still do all the laundry. And I'm very grateful for that. I saw him folding his clothes the other, uh, actually last night. And I was like, 
just please just give me the clothes. I'll fold them for I was you. Like, I'll gladly submit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, but I, I just remember creating a toxic environment for both of us. Um, just because everything was competitive, there was no active, you know, I guess there was no sacrificial love and submission to each other. And, you know, the, the best way of putting it is this at the end of the day, do you either want to submit or do you want to sacrifice? Do you want to submit to each other and love for each other? Um, you know, for, for a wife, right? Do you, are you willing to submit to your husband? And then the husband's side, are you willing to sacrifice? I think it's so much easier when we realize that it's so much easier to submit than sacrifice. I've seen like videos of people asking like, um, like left feminists, um, like, oh, do you think men and women have uh, equal rights? And they're like, oh, of course not. Um, and then they're like, okay, so would you, um, would you go to like, would you be in a draft? And then they quickly are like, no. Yeah. <laughs> you start, yeah. Dipping out real quick. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean that, so how did God start working on your heart to really, I guess, understand that foundational biblical principle in marriage? Um, I think it started when I started going to, um, like women's Bible studies and just being involved in the community at church. Um, I, I mean, they, it's not like they weren't like teaching me, I guess, how to be a wife. It was more of like, I was watching and, um, and so I, over time, like I started like adapting that and, um, now, you know, we'll have our, we'll have our issues, but I think, um, for the most part, I've, you know, truly understood what it means to be sacrificial and submit. Yeah. And um, now I realize like I like I want to love you the way even though like husband submit your like sacrifice yourself like Christ did for the church. But like sometimes like I want to do that, too. Yeah. Well, and that also I'll say this, you know, husbands we love this idea of, you know, oh, well, the wife's supposed to submit. But the question you need to ask yourself is, first of all, have you submitted to Christ? Because second of all, that's the only way it would be worthy for her to submit to you. You do not need to be so focused on your wife submitting to you if you're not submitted to Jesus first. Yeah, because if, like, if the husband's not sacrificing you know or being loving like she has she has no reason to submit you yeah. know yeah absolutely um you know at the end of the day the reason i follow jesus no matter what is because the sacrifice and the love that he had for me romans 5 8 but god shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners while we were jacked up while we had nothing together christ died for us that is why he is worthy of all praise and honor and glory forever amen because he sacrificed while we were the unloving ones, while we were, you know, children of disobedience, following our own ways, not walking with him, actively walking against him, Christ died for us. And so he saved us from our sins. He saved me from that. And so, yes, that is why I will always submit to Jesus is because he is worthy to be submitted to. 
And if you would take that principle, I promise you your your marriage would be would be turned around. Um, and so we hear things from Haley about how she started getting around the right people. She started um, going to Bible studies. Um, and then over time, the Holy Spirit started working on your heart. You started to see the value of that. And the same thing for me. God started working on my heart, which I'm not here trying to have behavior modification for my wife. Um or, you know, trying to make her do the things I want to know. I want to live a life that is worthy of Jesus and worthy and honoring her in the way that she'd be wanting to submit to me in marriage. And I would say this, when we started understanding this concept, our marriage started to really turn around because we realized the joy and the love not does not come from making sure each other is doing the right thing. But the joy and the love comes from loving each other in a way um, that gives us joy, right? Jesus said is more blessed to give than it is to receive. And even when it comes to our um, to our marriage. And so, yeah. Yeah. We want to add something to that? Oh, yeah. I was just going to say, um, I like how you said, like, it's not behavior modification. Um, because I think over time, you know, you I saw how... Like you were being a man of God and um, it like through that, it, you know, made me made me want to actually like submit and everything. And um, yeah, so even even when like, you know, sometimes I don't, you know, necessarily want to, I still do it because like you um, you deserve that, you know. I'm getting all soft and mushy over here on this podcast. <laughs> I love my wife. <laughs> hey, can I say this? What? I love you. I love you too. Uh, and so, you know, as we wrap up this podcast, because we, we're not trying to do like eight hour long episodes, uh, that's what it comes down to. We started seeing, we, we, what it comes down to is trusting Jesus, right? We're trusting his word, his will, and his way. And so we're saying, listen, Jesus is tried and true. I trust Jesus. Therefore, if he gives biblical principles, right, we believe in the word of God. It is the inspired word of God by the Holy Spirit, which comes from Jesus, which comes from the Father. It's the Trinitarian theology. Um, if Jesus is true, and we and Jesus believed in the word of God, Jesus was the word of God, Jesus spoke through the word, through the Holy Spirit, inspired these words, this text that we now read, then I have to believe that Jesus knows what he's talking about. And if I love and trust and I'm submitted to Jesus, then I'm going to submit myself to his ways. Yeah. And I think a lot of people nowadays, like they, they forget that. And, um, and I think it's true when time, like when you said, you know, during our first year, we got divorced like 12 times. It's very true. And some people like, they actually get divorced like they um um like once things get hard they they're like oh i deserve so much better than this and then they leave and then you know people are saying like yeah you go girl you leave that toxic man but in when in reality you know um it shouldn't it shouldn't be like that yeah and of course there are ex- you know Whenever people say things, man, about working out your relationship, the immediate response is, well, you know, but what about issues of abuse? Um, I'll say this. Uh, I believe people try and call 
people go too quick to abuse because it's an easy out for them to say, well, then I don't be in this relationship anymore. Yeah, like as soon as they disagree, um, they're like, oh, that's emotional abuse and that's manipulation. You're a narcissist when they just, you know, disagreed with something that like they disagree on a certain topic. Yeah. I mean, here's what it comes down to. If you're in, you know, a legitimate abuse, obviously get help, get safety, you know, get to a safe place, get wise counsel regarding what you should do. But if you are getting divorced for a biblical reason, which we don't have the time to go into the theology of divorce in, in this in this podcast. You can. Um, in, a, in a different one. And yeah, I'm, I'm saying, yeah, in a different episode. Um, but, you know, if, if it's something that the, God is going to give you peace about something, if if that is where he is leading you, if it is a legitimate case of abuse, but most of the times, like I said, we jump we jump too quick. We don't. We're in a replacement world. It's a lot easier to trade in your old iPhone and get a new one than it is to repair the screen. So much easier. Um, and so we, I I think really not. I think I know for a fact. Like I know that if Jesus was not the foundation of our marriage, we would not have made it. We just would not have. We had we were we went into too many dark places, too many pits, uh, relationship pits of hell that we had to walk through. That Jesus walked through side by side, and we hung to Him. It was when you know, even you know, there was times when I didn't want to hang on to Jesus, and she was, she did, and there was times where she didn't hang on to Jesus, and I did. And it was that love for him and trusting him throughout that process that God saw us through. Um, and so that is, you know, I want to end here. The foundation of a strong marriage, of course, Jesus is the foundation. And and I would say the first principle, even right above Jesus, his first advice he would give is husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and and wives submit to your husbands and love them right it's that sacrificial love for your husband uh, from a husband to a wife and then that that loving submission and support and encouragement from from the wife to the husband and if if both of you are submitted to Christ first i promise you uh, you will build a marriage that will last every single storm that life throws at you. Um, because I promise you, if it wasn't for Jesus, we wouldn't be here making this video. We would be, I don't even know where we would be. I'd probably be back in North Carolina. Yeah. Yeah, I don't even, I literally don't even know where I would be. It's crazy to think that. So, uh, glory to God. Uh, so yeah, this is the first part. We're going to go into, uh, look forward to three other parts next week um, or the next episode is going to be about communications and marriage. Um, part three is going to be about uh, I missed it here. Uh, part three is navigating challenges in a Christian marriage, and then in part four is going to be growing together spiritually in a in a in a Christian marriage. So, uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, I hope you enjoyed my wife. Did you have fun? Yes. So much fun. <laughs> um, but yet again, uh, thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Builders Project podcast. You are a project that God is building. And my goal for you is to build your life on Jesus and follow his word, his will, and his way. Love you all. See you all later.